0: All right, beautiful people, I want to thank you for joining me here this morning on Prison Focus Radio. I am your host, New Bay Brown, here at KPOO San Francisco 89.5. All right, before we get started, the first thing that I want to remind you of is that we are in a fun drive. We've just got a couple of weeks to go. So come on, people, bring it on. We are almost there. You can make your donations easily online by going to kpoo.com, or you can send in your check or money order by making that to KPOO and send it to KPOO, P.O. Box 156-650, San Francisco, California, 941. One one five. Now is the time to give generously. Now is the time to give and show us your loving support to this amazing radio station, KPOO San Francisco 89.5, and hear all the amazing music, all the commentaries, so many amazing programmers, and you get all the latest news and views about what is happening um, around the San Francisco Bay Area at this Fantastic, beautiful, one of a kind, black-owned, black-run, KPOO, San Francisco, eighty-nine point five. All right, we are going to, in the essence of getting to the end of the year, we're going to talk about some victories. Uh, we are going to hear voices of action and heart um, from our people on the inside. I'm going to be reading some um, some amazing uh, writing that has taken place. Um, in the last few months and, you know, kind of compilations of people working together from the inside and out. All right, so stay with us and uh, here we go. All right, we are going to start with the most joyful news that Dr. Matulu Shakur, after 35 years, has come home to his family. Uh, he, He came home on December 16th. After multiple denials, literally the system um, uh, wanted to ensure that he died in prison. He is coming home with uh, bone marrow cancer. He does not have long to live, but he will be able to live out the rest of his days with his family. An incredible gift um, to the whole, the community uh, worldwide. So I am going to do some readings. I'm going to uh, uh, give you the current information about his coming home and what you can do to support. And then I'm also going to pull back from the archives. Thank you to Freedom Archives for the piece that I am going to read here in a minute. So Dr. Matulu Shakur has been released on medical parole, um, or I don't know what they call it, but he has been released on parole. Can you imagine after 35 years, he's still on Parole. Um, he was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer in 2019. Uh, they were trying to get compassionate release relief for him, but compassion is not something that we see in um, this sick modern-day uh, slavery system. But um, they denied him and said, "You have to literally be on your deathbed." He was on his deathbed. They still denied him, but eventually, he has come home. He was granted parole on November uh, in November of 20. 20- uh, in November of this year. So, um, this is what I want to, this is, this is Matulu is home with his family. And you can read all of this by going to com. Matulu is home. Dr. Matulu Shakur has been released from prison and is now home with his family today, which is not today, but the morning of December 16th, 2022, Dr. Matulu Shakur was released from prison on parole. The decision to grant parole is based on federal law guidelines for, quote, old law prisoners, finding that Dr. Shakur poses no threat to the community, taking into consideration his exemplary conduct in prison, his medical condition, and how much time he has served. Matulu is now with his family. This victory was secured by the steadfast support of his legal team, his family, and his community comprised of all of you. Again, we cannot, this is just me adding a few words here, um, overstate the power of the people. Of course, uh, Dr. Matulu Shakur is a veteran Black Panther Party for Self-Defense member. Family and Friends of Mutulu Shakur is greatly appreciative of everyone's support over the course of Mutulu's decades in prison. We ask that everyone respect Dr. Shakur's privacy while he spends the holidays with his family and concentrate on his health and healing. Any inquiries to um, FFMS, which is the Friends and Family, uh, Family and Friends of Mutulu Shakur, be directed to info at com, and we will be sure to release more information as it is available. May everyone celebrate the achievement of securing his release and deepen our commitment to a more just future. And speaking of health and healing, this is Dr. Dr. Mutulu Shakur, the acupuncturist who used his uh, self-training of becoming, um, an acupuncturist to heal the people in his community in, um, I believe it was in Brooklyn, New York, um, uh, from heroin addiction so that they would actually be, um, they, they, they could recover through the healthiest, the healthiest means so that they didn't have to be pumped up by, by other drugs to, um, to, um, uh, to facilitate the, um, <clears throat> their recovery from addiction, um, fully empowering his people, which, of course, is a threat to this system. They want us to be... Th- this. The uh, capitalist imperialism wants us to be dependent on them, drugged up, uneducated, um, unemployed. All right, you know what I'm saying. So back in 1979... Dr. Matulu Shakur formed the Black Acupuncture Advisory Association of North America to foster interest in acupuncture by encouraging research and educational programs and to disseminate information about the practice and application of acupuncture, including but not limited to the use of acupuncture in the treatment of drug abuse. So, again, we are targeted anytime that we are trying to take into our own hands the healing of our people, the educating of our people. The empowerment of our people. So um, his work is revolutionary, always has been, and that is why he was targeted along with other uh, political prisoners so that to find themselves find themselves, uh, or that are are still systematically um, imprisoned uh, to this day. Okay, um, and if you want to hear more about that too, more about his work, you can watch Dope Is Death. Um, it's, a, it's a short documentary, uh, just Google it. And also, um, there was an accompanying podcast and we heard all of that, um, in some previous episodes of prison focus radio. So dope is death is, uh, again, a short documentary and also, um, a podcast that accompanied it. And you can, uh, find both of those just by Googling. All right. I do want to read this piece that I found, um, in the, uh, at, from freedom archives this was written about dr matulu shakur uh it seems like just after he was uh captured framed and captured by the um <clears throat> uh by the by the fbi cointelpro so uh, a really big shout out to freedom archives as well for the incredible uh work that they do um having these um uh, these, yeah, having this history. So freedomarchives.org is where you can find this. Just look up um, Dr. Matulu Shakur. Okay, let me see. Um, okay, every... Okay, Matulu M- Shakur, A Life of Struggle. I think... Okay, just give me one second here... I'm not really sure how this goes. Okay. I tried to struggle for respect and dignity for our people in any way that my development allowed. The progress that black and oppressed people have made in the United States and throughout the world has come about because there have always been people who were not content with the status quo. Instead of working for the individual benefit, they chose to devote their time, energy, and lives to the development and advancement of their people. The list of such people is long, and while they have used different tactics and methods, they shared a common hope of seeing people of African descent around the world living in peace and dignity. One such person has been Dr. Mutulu Shakur. He has devoted his life to the cause of black liberation, and because of this, he is currently being held at Metropolitan Correctional Center. The federal government plans to try him under the RICO, Racketeer Influenced and corrupt organizations law, charging him with conspiracy and participation in several expropriations, taking money from the banks and armored trucks, and in the liberation of Assata Shakur, Joanne Chesimard, from prison on November 2nd, 1979. But in the eyes of the state, the real crime that he committed was to struggle for the human rights and dignity of black people in America and throughout the world. The RICO laws were originally passed by the federal government in order to prosecute organized crime figures. However, in recent years, they have found these laws to be useful weapons against radical political organizations. Shakur's political and social uh, consciousness began to develop early in his life. His mother suffered not only from being black and female, but she was also blind. Imagine we have to say suffering from black and female, okay? And this is this is in the early 80s. Lord, so the sorry, this is back in the, you know, the 60s when he was talking about his mom. But she was also blind. It was Shakur's first confrontation with the state. The experience of helping his mother negotiate the social service system made him realize that the system does not operate in the interests of black people and that black people must control the institutions that affect their lives. See, it's this brilliance. Sorry, I'm commentating here. Um, It's this brilliance that is the threat. It is not surprising then that one of the first struggles in which he became involved was Ocean Hill, Brownsville, In Brooklyn, where black parents were struggling to control their children's educational destiny. His participation was also based on his own experience in children's... Sorry, uh, experiences in the New York public school system. Quote, "'I was involved because I had been miseducated, abused, and disrespected,' said Shakur. Ocean Hill Brownsville was similar to the struggle in Soweto in 1976, in which the people struggled against the system of Bantu education.' unquote. It was during this same, that same period that Shakur became a member of the Republic of New Africa, another threat to the system. His decision to become a new African came as a result of individual and collective attempts to, quote, define the most peaceful and efficacious way for us to have peace and justice as a people, unquote. Shakur saw clearly that whenever black people tried legal means to obtain their rights, they were attacked militarily, psychologically, and chemically, he realized that we must have clear aims and objectives. Quote, people who are oppressed must have a specific goal and objective. The only way black people in America will be recognized in the world will be if we have a nation that operates in the interests of our people, Unquote. In 1970, Shakur was asked to give political education on the black national liberation movement to victims of drug addiction at Lincoln Detox. During that same period, his children were also seriously injured in an accident. Looking for alternative treatment, he approached activists of the Aiwar Quen, who ran a health service for older Chinese. For the older Chinese community, an Asian woman who was a traditional acupuncturist cured his children. Discussions with the Chinese and his sessions with addicts showed secure Shakur the similarities between the struggles of the Chinese against opium addiction, which had been brought to China by the British colonizers, and the struggles in the Black community against genocidal drugs. Shakur began to work at Lincoln Detox. Because of its close ties to the community, Lincoln Detox provided the community with a healing non-chemical solution to the detoxification of addicts, trained the community in the theory and use of acupuncture, and provided political education about the drug plague – who controls the drug empire and how to resist? Because the program exposed the conspiracy of government agencies, law enforcement agencies, organized crime and drug companies in the waging of chemical warfare through drugs and methadone maintenance programs, the state began to attack it. So, my God, right. So they attacked him, um, say, you know, conspiracy charges, because he exposed uh, the uh, conspiracy Uh, and corruption that the state was perpetuating against the people. Consequently, Shakur, who had been trained by the Quebec Association of Acupuncture and received a Doctor of Acupuncture degree, became one of the founding members of Black Acupuncture Advisory Association of North America, B-A-A-A-N-A. Under Shakur's directorship, Banna became famous in the black community in New York City for providing quality alternative health care for a variety of ailments. The black liberation movement began to make significant strides. Shakur began to notice that those who spoke out against injustice were often targets for government attacks. Further analysis revealed a pattern, quote, "Too too coincidental to be accidental, unquote. For Shakur, the Panther 21 case, the murder of Fred Hampton, the new Bethel attack, all, quote, all prompted collective evaluation and analysis that there must have been a broader conspiracy against the revolutionary nationalist movement, unquote. While working on the defense committee of Asada Shakur and Sundiata Akholi, Shakur and others began to see the need to investigate the FBI's counterintelligence program, COINTELPRO, he said, quote, Doing the defense work, we realized we were infiltrated by agents of the Red Squad, the FBI, and the New York Police Department. We felt that the establishment of the National Task Force for pro litigation and research would render an important service to the revolutionary nationalist community and to all progressive communities subject to attack by the state. We felt and feel That the more we know about counterinsurgency, the better we will be able to build organized resistance. It was as a result of massive attacks on the movement in the aftermath of the Brinks expropriation in October of 1981 that Shakur decided to go underground. Matulu Shakur was captured by the Joint Terrorist Tax Force in Los Angeles, California on February 11, 1986. He is being held without bail and is scheduled to go to trial on February 9th, 1987. And it is from here. Okay. And from, okay. Everyone who believes in freedom and justice for black people have a responsibility to support Mutulu Shakur. Whether for civil disobedience and resistance to oppression, refusal to fight for the U.S. military against, Other people of color, organizing the masses to throw off oppression or taking up arms for self-defense and national liberation. Black people all over the world have faced imprisonment and character assassination at the hands of the government, whose racist and unjust policies they opposed. This list includes... Reverend Martin Luther King, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, the Reverend Ben Chavez, Elmer Geronimo Pratt, Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, Asada Shakur, Nelson Mandela, Angela Davis, the Honorable Marcus Garvey, Prime Minister Robert Mugabe, All of the above have at some point been imprisoned for the political beliefs and activities. They've been called criminals by the establishment, but black people have historically seen through this tactic and have accorded them the status of freedom fighters. We must treat Matulu Shakur in the same manner. He is not a criminal or a thug, only someone who believes deeply that our people must be free. And it is because of all of that work, I don't know who wrote this story, um, It actually doesn't say here, um, but, um, that he was finally able to be free because had the, the establishment, as they called it at that time, uh, had their way, they would have let him die and had every intention of him dying in prison. This is what they are doing to Mumia Abu Jamal, Leonard Peltier, Rochelle McGee, um, uh, what they tried to do to sundiara Koli, um who just came home uh last year so um but it is the power of the people. it is the people who also believe deeply that our people must be free that uh will will get our people home, so we are um, d- deeply grateful uh for all of that amazing work that people have done and continue to do um uh, to have brought Mutulu, uh, Dr. Mutulu Shakur home to be able to uh, be with his family um, in the last days of his life. And he has left an absolutely incredible legacy of um, of struggle and love for the people. Um, in this article, they, they put here what can you do to help? And it's so similar to what we are asking for now. Come to court. The presence of supporters in the courtroom has a significant impact on the judicial process. You can help by attending pretrial hearings and by being present as often as possible during the trial. Fortunately, that didn't work. But with that in mind, I would like to say that uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal went back to court on December 16th. And because people showed up and have been continuing to show up it put pressure on the judge. So I'd like to actually read to you what took place, for all of you that don't know, um, what took place um, at that uh, court hearing on December 16th. This comes from Noel Hanrahan of Prison uh, Prison Radio and uh, Love Not Fear. In a shocking reprieve, Judge Lucretia Clemens ordered the district attorney to open up all of their files to Mumia abu Jabal's defense team. Judge Clemens stayed for the moment her, quote, intent to dismiss notice. She stated she would rule in 60 to 90 days on Mumia's request for a new trial. Speaking directly to all parties from the bench, she said, quote, I do not want to return to this issue again. I want once and for all to resolve all of these questions, unquote. Prior to her surprising directive, which occurred at the very close of a contentious hearing, there had been no indication that Judge Clemens would be sympathetic to granting relief. Her questions regarding the Batson claim, specifically notes taken by Prosecutor Joseph McGill during the original trial in which he actively tracked the race of prospective jurors, did not recognize the very basis of Batson versus Kentucky, striking even one juror because of a racial consideration is a violation of the potential juror rights, juror's rights as well as the defendant's constitutional rights. She seemed to assume, despite evidence to the contrary, that the DA's office in 1982 was colorblind and had no animus. She also did not waver from her written decision on the Brady issue that the two main prosecutors, quote, eyewitnesses, Uh, unquote, even if they did lie, was not necessary, quote, not material, unquote, for the conviction. Meanwhile, even if they were paid or incentivized for their testimony, that information would not have impacted the deliberations of even one juror. Wow. During arguments, Judge Clemens did not probe Prosecutor Grady Gervino's mischaracterizations of the law and the record. She did not address or expose his omissions. Clemens simply chose not to challenge him at all. Mind you, thankfully, all of people were in the courtroom, packing this courtroom. Thus, the reason for Judge Clemens' expansive discovery order is ripe for speculation. She implied that allowing a complete review of prosecution files would resolve any and all issues of potential suppressed evidence, thus, in her mind, finally closing the door on the case and allowing her to wrap it up. The problem with that theory is that if you frame someone for murder, it is really hard to cover up all the loose ends. It makes one wonder... Does Judge Clemens truly understand the depth and widespread corruption of the Philadelphia Police Department and the former DA's office? The police and former prosecutors, uh, prosecutors acted with complete impunity for decades. They are proud to be the sons of Rizzo, and they certainly did not care about a defendant's constitutional rights. Um, and you can see uh, this assistance district attorney, Jack McMahon, um, about removing black people from the Philadelphia juries. There's actually tape of this the current district attorney's office knows and will admit just not in open court that the police for decades routinely brutally beat victims and witnesses and manufacturing false confections and manufacture false confections confessions the police suppressed evidence of innocence fixed crime scenes raped informants robbed bodegas paid witnesses for testimony planted evidence and were on the take this was on the front page of saturday's inquirer top of the fold um, there's a picture of that here. Philadelphia prosecutors and the courts did not just turn a blind eye. They actually colluded and continue to collude with the police to maintain convictions of a generation of poor black and brown people in Philadelphia. Police and prosecutorial corruption in Philadelphia is no secret. In this case, the Byzantine rules of the Post-Conviction Relief Act, the PCRA, has already kept key evidence from being in the record before Judge Clement. Judge Clemens, I believe it is. Now the question remains, did District Attorney McGill and the detectives keep additional notes that reveal corruption? When you frame someone, it's super hard to pull all of that back into the police and prosecutors' Pandora's box. Will the police turn over to the defense the actual homicide file? They often, in many homicide cases, turn over police files as well. Why not this one? What is to hide? The courts and lawyers are only one part of what it takes to realize justice. Equally important is the ability to connect with the hearts of those who will join us in the quest to bring Mumia Abu-Jamal home to his family. That is our job. That, to me, is the most important aspect of this right here. In the coming days, we will bring you details of an amazing week of outstanding grassroots activism, including hundreds of letters from France, in the U.S., supporting Love, Not Fear, Julia writes prophetic letter and organizing and Democracy Now!'s coverage of the story featuring Judge Wendell Griffin, Division 5, uh, judge of the Sixth Circuit uh, for Pulaski County in Arkansas and um, author of Justice for both Maureen Faulkner and Mumia Abu-Jamal. Join us. Cuando luchamos, ganamos. When we fight, we win. Again, this is from Noelle. Hanrahan of Prison Radio uh, and Love Not Fear. So, and you can check any of that out. So, the people showing up en masse to to court is important. Okay, I'm going to go back to the other, what we can do to help. We know how important this is. Give financial support. Now, we are back um, to this article about, of the campaign to free Dr. Mutulu Shakur that started right off the bat as soon as he um, was captured. The establishment media often cooperates with the FBI in character assassination of revolutionaries and by publicizing false accounts of events such as those to which the government has tried to link Mutulu Shakur. This is what they do to the family members. This is what they mean by, you know, um, Links to Matuli Shakur and anybody else. uh, People are are targeted and retaliated against by uh, uh, the police and the guards um, for any of the revolutionaries. We need your financial support in order to counter FBI propaganda. Checks and money orders should be made too. And of course, um, so they, they talk about that. So when we ask you for your financial support, any bit helps when more people come together, we have a better opportunity to provide that support, um, either again with finances or showing up to, to court. All right. If you are just joining us, you are tuned in to Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO San Francisco 89.5, and I'm your host, Nube Brown. I have been um, discussing the, uh, after 35 years, the release of Dr. Mutulu Shakur and then um, giving. Uh, an update in the the case of Mumia Abu Jamal and after this quick musical break we are going to come back and hear from more voices from the inside mm-hmm. that is the indomitable donnie hathaway with someday we'll all be free. Unfortunately, donnie hathaway was taken from us far too soon. All right, we're actually going to hear from a family member um, who spoke at a rally just before the hearing of De- on December 16th took place. Cuz I think it's important to to know or to, to keep in mind that it not just about Mumia or even about Dr. Matulu Shakur, but the family and loved ones who um, are incarcerated or you know deeply affected by this uh, about the, from this for decades as well. So um, we're gonna hear uh, from his family member. I'm sorry, I do not have his name.
2: First of all, we want to say three Mumia, And we'll end it with that, but I think we need to touch on a couple of things. The 13th Amendment in the Constitution talks about freedom of human race. In that amendment, you talk about freedom for everyone except for someone incarcerated. So this references back to slavery. So we watch movies like 12 Years of Slave. This man is 41 years of slave almost to the date in today's modern slavery that's legal this man is in a city that had 40 percent black people in it and two people black on the jury this man has been railroaded. i've seen misdemeanor trials go longer than two years this man was convicted to death row in six months To to say this man should be free is an outrage. I don't even want to talk about, I want to talk about reparations for Mumia. We talk about reparations for this, reparations for that, reparations for Mumia. I want to say pay Mumia for his lost time. Pay Mumia for his lost life of 41 years. Pay Mumia in in, in money, pay Mumia in homage, pay Mumia in freedom. This man deserves to be free like anyone else who. This man had never been convicted of a crime. This man is a journalist. This man is a taxi cab driver. This man is a citizen of a city that has wrongfully done him. All we can say is free, boom in. You have the solidarity of people like myself. You have the elders of the Black Panther Party. You have Longshoremen. You have all these beautiful people out here. You have unions. You have anyone of any sense of civilization, support, and this man, all of the evidence in his trial is circumstantial if you look it up. Uh, the ex-president, Donald Trump, exonerated 237 people. Some have war crimes on their thing. Some have uh, 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 all type of uh, drugs dealers. You have gun dealers. You have all type of things. This man, all he's asking for is a fair trial, a fair shot, and he can't get that, and it's sickening. 12 years of slave, 41 years of slave. I have to pull out my black gun for this brother today. What can we do with this? Free movement, free movement, free movement. People like Jack Heyman leading the struggle for him. He has to be recognized in all political prisoners, all people that have been in prison for no reason at all. But imagine a story of a of a tussle with the with the policeman i won't even say police officer of like george floyd you witnessed this and the and the tables are turned and the brother lives oscar grant lives yeah. Huey p newton lives yeah. mumia lives but these people are convicted and the police got no convictions two people on the jury 20 ele- 10 people do not look like him he did not Accept the judge as being a judge. He knew he was railroaded from the state from the start by the state. He was convicted by the federal government. Free move me, free move me, I won't keep me longer. Free move me.
0: All right, and I am going to name some others. Maybe you don't want to call them political prisoners. I would call them politicized prisoners here in California. I want to free Joker Hashima Jinsai, Abdul Olubala Shakur. Ifomo Modibo Kambon, uh, Michael Zaribo Duro, James Buridi Williamson, Satawa Nantambu Jama'a, Balagoon Mohammed. I mean, there are so many others that we are not even naming here. The list continues to go on and on. Fatih. Um, so we have many people to come together. To come uh, to come together on in terms of knowing who they are and what this struggle is about, because this system is continuing to cage our people and keep them unfree. Um, and we need to do whatever we can to continue to expose and get them to get them out. Um, they are abusing our people through medical neglect. Uh, they are abusing our people by constantly denying them parole. Um, And uh, just keep in mind, I've mentioned it before, uh, we are working to establish a community release board. Because the only way, again, that we are going to be able to to get our people free and keep them from being snatched from the streets is by protecting ourselves, educating ourselves, and coming together and making sure that we have to rely on each other. Uh, rather than this state system that is hellbent on oppressing and colonizing us. Oh, and don't let me forget Mutope Duguma, Lewis Powell, and I'm sure there are just too many others, um, but not so many that we should not be able to just get them home. And that's I'm going to encourage you all now to call the governor at 916-445-2841 and uh, demand the pardon, parole, or clemency for um, our our elders that have been in prison for over 25 years and that have been in prison since their youth, and now they are elders. It's time to bring them home. If you want to be even more specific, you can um, ask or demand that that small group of new Africans that I just named, uh, be released immediately. We want all our elders home that have, uh, served over 25 years. We have some going on 50, uh, 60 years, like Rochelle McGee again. All right. So we are going to hear, uh, from, uh, voices from the inside.
1: That should have been made, should have been unbelievable. Because if you can have somebody in prison for 52 years, 52 years. Right? Yep. And, and you don't never let them out, and they came in as youngsters? That's cool and unusual. That should have been propagated. We got the Louisiana situation. We talking about a national campaign where we ain't even doing nothing but showing the racism, system, systemic racism, where they incarcerate people till they're dead. Or uh, if they don't incarcerate you till you're dead, they let you out when you're almost dead. We have countless people to speak to. We have Fela, we have Mume, we have all of these different peoples of. We got Big George Ruiz. We got a. Hey, hold up, bro! Hold up. Okay, so we have all, all of these different people who have have passed on since, right? Yes. So so we never said, like, like the one we just recently did where it got all of us, how long we've been incarcerated, how long we've been in captivity political captivity so because it becomes political captivity it's a perfect wording to because it don't say we're political prisoners it just say political captivity that means the system, systemically they've been holding us indefinitely for reasons that they chose to do so and the courts is in line with this don't get it twisted because any one of us can go to court Right now, like a, like Clyde Jackson. Like that, he just, he go to, he go in court right now. The thing is, they, they define the laws of the court in order to meet the need of CDCR. And that need is to keep certain people incarcerated till they dead. See, we haven't propagated that. See, you can't sit up here and tell me that I'm a youth offender and I should have access to being parole. And I don't get in trouble. I don't, I, I'm not a fact. I wrote and co-wrote. The end to hostilities. So, so therefore, when you, when you have all these different mechanisms and how we, what role we play inside of society, inside the prison theater today, it's contrary to what we came in doing. You see what I'm saying? So, so we have to be able to say, okay, here go Mutope Goma. He came in James Dan Crawford, whatever you want to say. Now, this is where he's at in his life. He's been down who, 35 years. He's he's one of the uh, activists on the hunger strike, and then here you go. But don't even just use me. I want every race on here. I want every race. I don't care. I don't. I don't get into the stigmatization of anything because at the end of the day, we're talking about human rights.
0: All right, we are going to hear from Imwali Shakur, talking about you know the work that he is doing inside with some of the other um, elder brothers in Inside with the youth, uh, in terms of their education, uh, as part of their responsibility, they feel as 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 elders and being able to connect with the youth coming in. There's their responsibility to share with them what they have been through, um, as, when when they came into the prison system as youth and what they were doing on the streets, and then um, now having been in, you know, twenty and thirty years. Uh, what he feels is the responsibility of the elders to pass on to the youth so that when they um, when they do get out, uh, they will um, be in better relationship with their community. You know, so we're trying to break that mold and
3: get them to understand, look, this is what you should be doing with that money when you have it. Buy your mother's house off. You know, take care of these black-owned businesses. Help out the single mothers with the children and create a daycare centers. Use self sufficiency programs the same way the Panthers did to bring back your community in a thriving and prosperity way. You know what I mean? Because if you don't, then when you do, if you do get a chance to come home from prison, you're going to come home to a community that's not yours anymore. So those are the minds that we're trying to, to wake up to show where they're going wrong and why the importance of this type of education is needed. You know, not for those who already in a position where they can get it because they are going to school and trying to do positive things because all those things are good to do. But, you know, we want to try to... It's always been destroying the criminal mind and developing the mind of the revolutionary because the revolutionary takes care of the people. The the same way we came to prison, you know, in the drug game, uh, you know, doing the burglaries or the robbers or what have you, we transformed our way of thinking. And now that's the chance we have we've got out the shoe to give back to these youngsters that we're on these main lines with, you know, building these schools of, uh, of liberation so that they can change their way of thinking.
0: Here I asked Imolimo to comment on the design conditions uh, that are in place to make sure that our young people that may have gotten this education are going to be returning to that are meant to uh, make sure that they either continue to... Um, uh, uh, you know, harm themselves or the community or get sent back to prison. Dear,
3: like, first all, I put myself in the situation. When I'm out there, I know that continuing those types of practices are wrong. I know they're not going to give me no worse. Go going to end up keeping me in the penitentiary or I'm going to die. And I can do something different. So what I would do... This call and your telephone number will be monitored and recorded. What I would encourage a lot of other young minds to do is to... You know, get in touch with the older people who have experience with doing positive things. And hopefully, that will pick up their interest to want to do the same. Because for me, it just took somebody to give me a job. And then from that job, I wanted to go to school and learn something new. And then I went to school to learn something new. I got a new type of job in a new field. So now, all these new doors are opening up and these things that I didn't know they could exist to me because I like the quality education. So, if... Like when I talk to a lot of them, that's what I find out what their interests are outside of where they're at. You know, what other kind of likes what are the kind of things do you want to do besides you know maybe playing sports or maybe the entertainment world? Because seeing it, that's the only way to get financial stability. You know, there's got to be other avenues. So when they open up and tell me different things, I see okay. Well, this is how you can go about doing this, and now you got resources. And with those resources, utilize those to make that come come to pass for you because others who are around you that see you doing that, you know, they'll, you know, want your help or they'll ask you to, uh, you know, show you what they're doing that's positive that they want to do. And that's where that change comes. And then you break that psychological criminal mind that you, you break that hold on you knowing that I don't have to continue to do this. There's something else I can do. Because that's what it boils down to when you do the illegal thing to get the money, you want to wash that dirty money. So if you wash it into something positive, now you open other doors as well for other people to come maybe get a job or, you know, maybe uh, uh, have a little money to go get some type of education, or, you know, training school or something, or even start off at a junior college or something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 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 the work is always being done on a daily basis for us in here with these young minds and a lot of them gravitate to it because they actually do know you know a lot of them have suffered from daddy issues and didn't have a big brother or, or an uncle positive type figure in their life and they glorified you know the things they saw around them thinking oh this must be the only thing I can do but when you talk to them you see that there's things they want to do to help them out in any way that you can
0: thank you Mualimu it is about loving up on our youth our children are our future. We need to start, uh, well, not start, we just need to really continue to understand and deepen our understanding of how important our children are to us and the protection that they need, um, that everything that we are, are doing as the adults in the room uh, needs to be about empowering our youth, protecting our youth, um, nurturing our youth, and um, doing whatever it is that we need to do to make sure that uh the world that we are creating is one that is going to um, attend to the potential and the beauty um of of our youth so um and it it shouldn't be lost on us again that many of these people that we are talking to or that we have heard from today were and still are um uh, modern day enslaved from their youth, and it is um in their youth that they were um, in some cases they were creating they were creating harm at that time, and so they needed um attention other than prison, or they were fighting for uh well not even yet fighting, but just um addressing the injustices and the human rights crises that. It continues to take place in our country, a crime against humanity that is called slavery, but also just the uh, human rights uh, violations that continue to be uh, waged against our people, and um, and so this system decided to shut them down by imprisoning them. But um, it, as Fred Hampton said, you can kill the revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. So I'm going to read a piece. Uh, a piece of poetry uh, from Asada Shakur called to my mama to my mama, who has swallowed the American dream and choked on it, to my mama, whose dreams have fought each other and died, who sees but cannot bear to see a volcano eating its own lava, to my mama who wouldn't who couldn't turn hell into paradise and blamed herself. Who has always seen, reflected in her mirror, an ugly duckling. To my mama, who makes no demands of anyone because she don't think she can afford to, who thinks her money talks louder than her womanhood. To my butch femme mama, who has always taken care of business, who has never drifted hazily to sleep, thinking he will take care of it, who has schemed so much she sometimes schemes against herself. To my sweet, shy mama, who is uneasy with people because she don't know how to be phony and is afraid to be real, who has longed for sculptured gardens, whose potted plant dies slowly on the windowsill. We have all been infected with a sickness that can be traced back to the auction block. You must not feel guilty for what has been done to us. Only the strong go crazy, the weak just go along. And what I thought was cruelty, I understand was fear that hands stronger than yours and whiter than yours would strangle my young life into oblivion. Mama, I am proud of you. I look at you and see the strength of our people. I have seen you struggle in the dark, the world beating on your back, dragging your catch back to our den, pulling your pots and pans out to cook it, a mop in one hand, a pencil in the other, marking up my homework with your love. The injured have no blame. Let it fall on those who injure. Leave the past behind where it belongs and come with me toward tomorrow. I love you, mommy, because you are beautiful. And I am life that springs from you. Part tree, part weed, part flower. My roots run deep. I have been nourished well. Again, that is a poem by Asada Shakur, my mama, That is our show for the week, Get Ready for Work Week, with Steve Seltzer. We're going to go out of here with I'm Dope by Toby Nigabwe.
2: Your brother, but don't equal well. but you
1: can't help your you yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need more than kudos in a high five Cause I went from sidelines to the limelight And I shine bright eyes cold bars klondike And I never move with the white the same blind side Oh finite, but you feel the spirit whole flow, shine light soul glow, Just every lyric sing, soul. cold cold, so most popo, favorite night light, rondo, on my glow, when I pivot, oh. of muscle in a body that's used to being constipated and most consumers they view me as a ruler like man some because i stay with some jewels that can exonerate them from every ounce of trouble water they've been in spent in time in places it ain't safe to swim in without yelling i try to tell them they should make amends when you
2: from where i'm from you see so much pain what up do it. me now they know my